number of um, housekeeping. Uh, some of you may be seeing a small vertical bar in the top right-hand corner of your screen. Um, we put messages in that bar and also uh, it's the place where you can ask questions that uh, we can answer at the end of this webinar. So uh, the best way to do that is to expand it. Uh, just click your mouse on the bottom right-hand corner of that bar and it should expand out nicely. Um, if for any reason you can't get the questions to answer or, or there's some way you can't type in there, uh, just shoot me an email at the end um, uh, and uh, be happy to answer any questions from there. Um, so our topic today is collision and towers liability. Um, I think there's a lot of mystery to this, but again, I think it's one of those subjects that, that actually is quite clear and, and easy to understand. Um, so we're going to go through a few things here. Whether the collision was a thousand years ago or today, um, it really can be a career-ending decision uh, for the skipper. Um, it's one thing that happens just too frequently. And, and when we talk about a collision, we are talking about a collision between two vessels. Um, this is not an allision. Uh, an allision is the collision between a vessel and a fixed op, um, object, like a dock or a pier or something else. This is collision only. Um, a collision is a whole different uh, ball of wax and is, is um, covered in a completely different version. And collisions have been around really for obviously as long as they've been boats, but they really started to come into the forefront uh, about 200 years ago. And they came, uh, became so much more frequent back then because most of the ships were still sailing ships and the ports were getting more congested and they had um, a lot more warehouses built up inside the ports, which were uh, three and four stories tall and they were using manual elevators at that time. And when you surround the port with a bunch of warehouses, you'd get a bunch of fluke winds, and, and thus the ships were very much more difficult. The sailing ships were very much more difficult to control, and um, more collisions took place. But really, as long as there's been hull insurance, the collision liability has been included in that hull insurance. This is out of the current American Institute Hull Clauses, uh, June of 1977 version. Uh, so it's nearly 40 years old, but it's the one in current use today. And it says if the vessel comes into collision with any other ship in vessel, and you're liable, you're going to get the same limit of coverage as to the agreed value of your vessel. So if your vessel's valued 100,000, you get an extra 100,000 to pay for physical damage to the vessel you hit. Um, this is the traditional way of doing it. We'll talk about a different way of doing it later on, but um, when you look at the, the way it's been around for, for really 200 years or close to it, um, this is the way to do it. The, the physical damage to somebody else's vessel is covered, at least in the primary form, in your hull insurance for commercial vessels. Now. Yachts and boats do a whole different thing, but this is, this is the commercial vessels and, and how they do it. When we move on to a, a towboat, pushboat, uh, we're looking at a tug, we're looking at something slightly different here. And this ad, adds what they call towers liability. 
Um, we often get this called towers liability, uh, but it is towers liability. Um, and it doesn't matter whether we're pushing it or pulling the boat, uh, we're going to get uh, coverage for damage to the tow um, included in, in the American Institute tug form. Uh, so we're pushing a barge around, we're pulling a barge around, we damage it, uh, we run into it, we're getting that coverage in, again in our towers liability uh, in our hull form. This is the American Institute tug form of 1976, again approximately 40 years old, but the one probably in most common use today. But interestingly, we not only get the damage to that vessel, but we also get to the freight on board. Um, so if we've got a, we're pushing a barge around that's got a, uh, you know, quarter million dollars of grain in the barge, um, and we sink that barge. Not only do we have the damage to the barge itself, um, but we have the loss of the cargo, the grain, in my example as well covered in that collision and towers liability in this form. Um, and I have to stress that very carefully here. Uh, different forms have different ways of dealing with this. So if you're insuring a, uh, a barge, a tug operation that shifts the body vessels around, uh, be they barges, be they other ships, you better be careful to make sure you've got the coverage for the freight somewhere because you can be liable for it if you sink that vessel um, but be careful that, that it's in some format. If you've got it in the American Institute tug form, as long as nobody's messed around by endorsement, it's already built in. It's important to understand here, though, that you have no bodily injury coverage here. This is just third-party property damage. Um, no bodily injury in here. But um, again, watch out for that freight. That's a really interesting addition to that section of coverage. Yes. Start off by the hull insurance. And again, you're getting collision, and if, if it's a tugboat, towers liability to the limit on your hull. Uh, we'll run through some numbers in a little while um, so you can see those uh, later on. Uh, the PI policy, which we dealt with a couple of weeks ago, then comes in and plays the difference between the hull policy and the PI limit. Virtually every PNI policy does on the club, so it just pays the difference between that hull and the PNI limit. This policy here, I'm going to put a four million dollar excess. Obviously, that limit is whatever you choose uh, to get up to uh, to the total limit. So let's work through an example just to show how this works. Here we got a tugboat uh, that's valued a quarter of a million dollars. It runs in and to a cruise ship and does uh, multi-million dollars worth of physical damage only to the cruise ship. Uh, no bodily injury, no third-party property damage, just physical damage to the cruise ship. The hull policy on that tugboat pays the first quarter of a million dollars worth of the damage. It's going to pay damage to the tugboat as well. Um, and in fact, it has a third limit for salvage, salvage charges, sue and labor. So in reality, the hull policy actually has three limits. It doesn't say that on the deck page, but it does actually have three limits. One for the hull itself, one for the collision and towers liability, and a third for salvage, salvage charges, sue and labor. So you could have a claim of actually three quarters of a million 
under a quarter of a million dollar commercial hull policy. We then got a million dollar P&I policy. So the P&I again pays the difference between that million dollar P&I and the hull policy of a quarter of a billion. Um, so just $750,000 in this case. And then we've got a $4 million excess policy in place. So again, uh, we've got $4 million worth of coverage available there. So if you look at the three items that are paid there, we've got total coverage in force of $5 million for that collision and towers liability. Admittedly, we've got hull damage, we've got um, salvage, salvage charges on top of that, but this again is for the collision liability. I hope everybody agree that's a pretty straightforward mechanism. And again, just to remind you as we go through, if you've got questions, do go ahead, type them in that questions box and we'll ask, answer them at the end of the uh, webinar. So let's take an, an example here. Now we've got a much larger tugboat. I know it looks the same, but it's a little bigger on the screen. And you'll see there's a red card up here because this is a result of an ENO claim um, that came uh, through an agent um, to us to try and help them out on uh, some years ago. Here we had a tug valued a million two. Did hit the cruise ship, did do multi-million dollars worth of damage to the cruise ship. It had that same typical structure, policy structure in place. The whole policy, quite rightly, paid a million two for the collision uh, to the cruise ship. Not a problem. Paid some physical damage to the tug and maybe paid some salvage, salvage charges, sue and labor. I don't know the part, that part of the claim I wasn't involved in. Um, but it, it had that million two of coverage automatically in the collision and towers liability. We had a million dollar P&I policy in place, but as that P&I limit was lower than the hull limit, the P&I policy uh, didn't pay a penny. There was not a gap between the hull and the P&I. The, 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 the hull was bigger than the P&I, so the P&I policy paid nothing. Here was the mistake of the agent when they put this together is they put a straight excess P&I policy in force for the four million over the one million. And what that did is it required the primary P&I to pay. So in this particular case, the excess policy paid nothing. So the total coverage for this collision was a million two in force, plus unfortunately the agency NO in this case. It's a really easy fix, but it was one the agent forgot to do. When you look at the American Institute following form excess policy, which is the most common one when you're doing a monoline excess policy, you can see the top line in there is excess P&I. And, and in fact, in this particular case, they had that box checked and a premium shown there. But what they failed to do is, is check and, and require the excess collision or excess collision, including towers liability in the next two boxes. And that was their problem. They just didn't include excess collision and towers liability. It's a simple thing to do. And in fact, when this thing came to trial, the agent had to admit that it was probably going to be free to do it. I don't know any market today that charges you more to include the excess collision liability, excess of a million dollars, but the agent failed to make that addition 
and ended up having to contribute a large chunk of that claim to ENO. Simple fix, easy to do. Many underwriters like to move the collision liability from the hull to the P&I. Um, it sounds logical at first. Um, why not put all the liabilities together? Well, the P&I didn't really exist 200 years ago. It was just in its, in, in its infancy. So 200 years ago, there wasn't really anywhere to move it. Some people think it's a great idea to move it across because you might have a lower deductible on the P&I. Um, personally, I think that's a bad trade-off because what you're doing is you're eroding the limit available under the P&I policy. Let me try and explain. Let's say we've got a hull policy of half a million and a P&I of a million dollars. Most claims will not just be collision, but there'll also be some bodily injury to third parties or property damage to a third party property damage. If we go the traditional route, we've got half a million in our hull policy to pay for the collision and a million dollars to pay for the P&I. So we've got a million five in total coverage. If we move all of that across to the liability, we've only got a million dollar CSL to pay for the whole thing. We've lost half a million dollars worth of collision coverage. So whilst it looks pretty good at first, you're giving away the hull value in limit under the P&I. True, you've still got all your hull physical damage in there, but you've lost that collision liability part of that policy by moving it into the P&I, the collision liability limit. If the hull value is small, I don't think it's a big deal, but as the hull value starts to get bigger and bigger, I think that becomes very, very important. And I think probably more important is the excess underwriter should really be worried about this. Moving this from a physical damage policy across the liability is actually dropping their excess point, excess attachment point by the amount of the vessel value. And that could be quite significant. Again, if we had a hull value maybe of a million, uh, million dollars or approaching that, that's a big drop in their excess policy to bring them in at a much lower times. Scarily, we rarely see the underwriters ask, how is that structured? They just come along and, and just ride ahead, right on top of that. Believe it or not, again, this, as I said, I thought this was a really simple seminar. That's really the end of today's seminar. So if you've got questions, please go ahead, put them into the question box now. We'll uh, answer them as soon as we can. Um, I think this is a relatively simple topic. Structuring is the very much the, the most important part of this. To remind you, we have our CMIP coming up in Houston, um, October 22nd and 23rd. It's ensuring vessel owners and operators. Um, this, uh, uh, this part of the webinar, this uh, collision and tires, will actually be part of that. It'll be in the whole P&I sections of this. So uh, really strong seminar if you're in uh, vessel owners and operators. Uh, go to www.iimis.com to register. Our upcoming webinars, um, insurance, longshore insurance coverage, payroll mods and rules. Uh, we're going to walk through probably about a dozen or more issues that pop up when you're riding longshore on how mods work, uh, payroll limitations, 
uh, payroll rules, uh, cancellation, uh, penalties, all the ancillary items that are necessary when you're writing Longshore. September 1st, we have uh, Ken Baldwin from XL Insurance as our guest lecturer to uh, talk about marine excess and umbrellas. And then I'll be back on October 13th uh, to do stock throughput. Uh, again, anybody got questions? Uh, what is contingent TOS liability and how does it um, apply? Um, I, you know, something I've never heard of contingent liability, so I wish I could answer you. Um, it sounds like it's something that you would do if you're just a regular vessel and you just might come out and help somebody to tow. Um, I have never heard of it, though. I, I just don't know. Um, I just don't know what that is. I'm sorry, sorry to say. Um, and I got another one on extended collision and towers liability, um, which I'm afraid I'm going to have the same answer on. These are both items I've never heard of. Um, I can't imagine what you would extend on collision and towers. It's it's already pretty extensive if you structure it in the in the uh, right way. So I'm um, not doing very well on these questions, or, or the, not on the answers to that today. So, no more questions out there, so I want to thank you for attending this webinar and hope you'll be here for the next one on August 11th. Good day.